Welcome back to the Wit and Whiskey Cast, everybody. Uh, I'm here, DJ Gagnon, along with my co-host with the most, Mark Rossetti. I'm still alive. You fuckers haven't gotten rid of me yet. Yeah, Mark had a, had a bit of a rough week. Uh, <laughs> but we're here for episode two of season four, a little bit late. We're probably going to be releasing this. Uh, if not a week, then maybe a little bit less than a week uh, later than than we would have liked. But how, how you how you doing, buddy? Yeah, uh, you can all blame me. We season four will be stretching a week because we basically lost one there because I caught a uh, wicked stomach virus. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was just. I don't think it was food poisoning because I had a pretty high fever, but. Uh, I could not keep anything down for the better part of three days. Uh, lost 7.1 pounds in five days. Woof. So, like, you know, any boxers or UFC guys or anything that, you know, need need to cut weight for a fight, just get whatever the hell it was that I had. Now, DJ knows me. I'm a big guy. I don't hide it. I, I love to eat. I come from an Italian family. It's pretty much all we do is eat and argue. <laughs> and... Uh, Monday, for the entirety of Monday and a little bit of Tuesday, so like 32 hours, 30 hours, something like that, the sum total of my entire intake of anything was half a bottle of Gatorade. Because mm-hmm. that was just the only thing I could keep down. That's rough, buddy. Uh, but, hey, I survived. It's all good. Somehow the wife did not get it. I, you know, she must have a better immune system than I do. Uh, I'm glad she didn't because two people certainly they don't know that. And uh, the cat was thrilled because I was home from work for three days. So uh, he had a buddy. We just slept on the couch all week. <laughs> but that's why we weren't able to record because I was pretty much, you know, just near death and cursing God and everyone. So sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I figured I, I wouldn't try to make Mark, uh, you know, set, set up his recording set up in the bathroom or anything like that. I think I actually texted you that. I'm like, we could hook a microphone up in the bathroom, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? What what did you do this week? You know, hopefully it was a lot less messy than what I did. Uh, I mean, it was messy in a different way. Um, I I did a lot of drywall mudding this week because I'm trying to do like this rapid sprint through the rest of my indoor house projects uh, because I'm sick of them and it's the end of the year and I have time off. So uh, I I've got like one more solid day of of throwing some mud in the closet. Uh, and then I think all the mudding is done. And then my dad and I are going to take a day and just sand everything. Uh, try to get all of the sanding done in one day. Uh, and then I'm going to go to, uh, there's a new paint store that just opened up down uh, uh, one town over. So I'm going to just go in there and be like, here's what I want to do with my house. Give me all the paints so I can paint everything. Uh, and I just, I, I really want to like end the winter with having an actual office that I can be in. It would be really, really nice. I feel like throwing mud in the closet is a euphemism I didn't know I needed. Mm-hmm. I enjoy it though. Yeah. I, uh, I, I put everything, all the tape onto the wall with mud that had been kind of dried out and I didn't quite realize it. So it just wasn't adhering to the wall and I'm like I got to a point this weekend where I was like fuck it I'm doing one more day which is this coming Friday and then that's it I don't care how it looks because it's a fucking closet it's true yeah I mean you know nobody's gonna see it it's like I try to tell the wife with certain things nobody else is gonna see it besides the two of us who gives mm-hmm. a shit 
but I, uh, I am in full swing for the holidays now. I did an entire day of cooking already this week. Uh, for Thanksgiving already? For th- yeah, for <laughs> Thanksgiving. Um, so we're hosting a little bit of a Friendsgiving with some, some local f- friends. Mark, you're invited, of course, but you know, I figured you wouldn't be making the drive up. I mean, never say never, but uh, I probably have to. Uh, I actually found out. Was it? I guess it was today as we record this. I finally found out what we're doing for Thanksgiving because you know, with my family, it was always last minute and whatnot. And I'm like, what the fuck are we actually doing this year? <laughs> but I think I'm going to be chauffeuring my grandmother to uh, Thanksgiving this year. So I appreciate the invite, but now I think I'm going to stay a little closer to home. That's fair. Well, m- Monday before Thanksgiving, if you decide to find yourself in New Hampshire, we'll we'll, uh, we'll have a big old bash going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, so this is I, I did it last year, and we we tried out oh, we tried out eggnog together on uh, our Christmas special last year, and I liked the eggnog that I made so much. I decided to make it this year, and I really wanted to give it that aging time in the fridge. So I made eggnog this week. I made vanilla ice cream from scratch uh, using infused vanilla sugar that I did myself. <laughs> We're getting you really fucking try hard. Yeah. Um, I made, I, I started a uh, persimmon and cranberry tequila based cordial uh, that I get to bottle on Saturday. And. Uh, I had 20 egg whites left over, so I said, you know what? I haven't cooked enough today, so I made meringue cookies. <laughs> because, you know, why not? Yeah. Just kill the entire day. Yeah. Um, I uh, I discovered uh, why contestants on the Great British Bake Off don't do 20 egg whites all at once. Uh, I nearly had a kitchen catastrophe with my fucking meringue. It very nearly overflowed my my stand mixer. Uh, yeah, that that probably was a little bit messy. Yeah, I you have, have a decent size mixer if I remember correctly, don't I've, you? I have a nice big one. It is I don't know if anybody has a stand mixer that can do 20 egg whites worth of meringue. Okay. So yeah, we're we're we're, we're getting into economy of scale here. All yeah, right. We are. Yeah, I I made uh three huge cookie sheets full of meringue cookies and I still had half the meringue left over and I was like, I I can't. Like, there's no office to go into to share any of this. I had to chuck a lot of meringue. But, um, no, it was like a weird week of learning new skills. I learned how to make meringue and I learned how to solder this week. Oh, soldering is fun, briefly. Yeah. Soldering Mm. is fun if you're doing it, like, for hobbies or for, um, you know, craft projects or things. But in my experience, if you actually have to repair something, soldering sucks. <laughs> yeah. I, when the pressure's on, it's no bueno. I, I'm kind of morbidly curious because there's, um, I have all of my old Game Boys. Like, I have a Game Boy Pocket. I've got a Game Boy Advance. I've got a Game Boy SP. And they're all showing their age a little bit. Well, and I mean, how many combined hours do they have? I'm, it's got to be well into the five figures. I mean, yeah, a lot. A lot, a lot. I mean, you're talking to the Pokemon kid here. Um, yeah. So I, there, you can get kits online to kind of like rebuild an old Game Boy. Like, it, like it'll like sometimes it'll use the same shell. Like basically, there's like this the central 
motherboard, and then you replace everything else around it. Like you, you can add like new backlit screens, and you can add new new triggers and dongles, and you can swap out something that's traditionally like AA batteries for a battery pack. Oh, all right. I, I mean, I kind of dig that because some of the earlier Game Boys, the battery life was not ideal. Yeah, and I've always been vaguely terrified. Like, I, I would love to do that with my Game Boy Advance, but the problem is that um, you have to know how to solder. So I'm like, I don't know how to solder. This is so. This weekend, I made a useless box, one of those like little contraptions that you flip the switch and something pokes out and shuts itself off. It's like, I like those. It's the dumbest thing in the world, but I got to like solder a bunch of shit. And like my soldering job was crap. Like it's very bad, but um, you know, it, was, it was fun. It was, it was a good try. And, uh, you know, I, I may not leave the batteries in it. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was, it was a good week. I, I feel like I had a lot more to share there. I was trying to make up for, for you being sick all week. Well, I mean, you know, it, it, that's good. Uh, I do. I had my own little craft project this week, thanks to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as we're going to talk about probably at the end of this episode and then uh, throughout the next episode, uh, my birthday is coming up. And uh, as you all know, after 60 plus episodes of the Wit and Whiskey, I am a crotchety old man. So my birthday is not something I generally make a big deal out of. A few exceptions, but for the most part, it's eh, it is what it is. Yeah, see, that's what you have all of us for. Exactly. And, uh, you know, our little group of friends, as usual, goes above and beyond. And DJ himself decided he was going to make this a very happy birthday. (laughs) And so he sent me my own. It says miniature, but uh, from filling it up with water, I'm terrified to know how many bottles it's actually going to hold. (laughs) Uh, Whiskey aging barrel. So I have my own uh, barrel now on a stand. And it's all engraved. It's very nice. Uh, DJ even put the E in parentheses in whiskey because we all know I can't get that right. <laughs> uh, it's It has the date of our first episode on it. It says the Witten Whiskey cast. And so I've been assembling that uh, when I wasn't running to the bathroom. It was a nice distraction. <laughs> and, you know, you have to soak the spigots and you have to put them all together. And then when they're good and soft, I, I inadv- my sickness inadvertently helped, I think. Because they tell you in the instructions, you're only supposed to soak the spigot for about 30 to 40 minutes. And I was soaking it, and I nodded off. So it was soaked for about two hours. So it was good and soft. (laughs) So I was able to install it by hand pretty easily. Uh, The fun thing about them is, since they are handmade, they tell you in the instructions that out of the box, they are not watertight. So how you uh, do this is you actually cure them, you season them. Uh, by filling them with hot water every day. And they tell you that this process could take about seven to ten days. You put it in a pan and you clean the drippage out every day and you put in new hot water. And, you know, science is freaky, man. You know, I'm a historian. I'm this, that, and the other thing. I don't usually play with with science or chemistry or anything. But in the, I've been doing it every morning before work, now that I'm going back to work again. Fill it up with hot water, put it in this pan I have set aside, you know, go away, play with the cat, get a coffee or whatever. And when you first put it in, it's nothing. It's just a barrel. It's whatever. You come back about 10, 15 minutes later, you go to touch it. You almost can't put your hands on it. That's how hot it gets. Oh, amazing. It just absorbs all the heat and all the water. And basically, that's expanding everything and making everything seal. 
and they tell you every day to rotate the barrel a little bit more so that it seals. So today is day four, I believe. Friday, I think, was the first day. Friday, Saturday. Today would be day three then. Today's Sunday. So uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, I'm excited. I have not yet decided what I want to put in the barrel because they tell you that if you're going to change, you have to season it all over again. Wow. So, so I don't know if I want to go through another seven to ten days. So it's probably going to be something that I can get in decent quantities to always keep some in there. But I will keep you uh, all abreast of my progress. I've been taking pictures of the assembly process, so that will go up on the social medias at some point. Nice. I, I have been doing it that. all. It's it's very cool. And uh, once again, I must thank you because it was a uh, it, it definitely cheered me up this week. Let me tell you. <laughs> I ordered it so early because I wasn't sure if because you you never know with custom like bespoke engraved things like that if it's going to come in in time or or whatnot and end up being in almost two weeks before your actual birthday. Well, the wife was enjoying that because uh, as in most things, my wife is a total opposite of me, and I joke with her that she has a birthday month <laughs> because between her friends and her family and everything, her birthday is actually June sixteenth. She usually starts getting presents around Memorial Day. And then it goes for a little bit after June 16th. So this year, she's like, you're like me. You're getting everything early now. <laughs> and I said, yeah, well, I guess I am. That's amazing. What are you, well, speaking of whiskey and seasoning and barrel aging, what are you drinking this week? Well, I went for um, a blended Irish whiskey from West Cork. Uh, and it was aged in bourbon barrels, which I, I thought was really interesting. Um, and it, it's, uh, I, I do love Irish whiskey and it is really good. And it's kind of got that like, to- almost like toffee background that like, say, I don't know. I mean, it, I, I can't think of a bourbon right now, but, um, you know, like a Knob Creek, right? Like it's kind of got that like kind of toffee, sweet note, um, but it's not quite as, um, it's definitely not as sweet as most bourbons, which I kind of like. It's got that Irish backbone. Uh, it, it's a blend of a quite a few of them. And I was kind of looking in the store for an Irish that I I could drink because we, we talked a lot about Irish whiskeys, and then I realized I was out of all of the Irish whiskey tasting uh, vials that I had. Um so it's a, uh, it's a blend. It's a 75% Irish single grain whiskey and 25% Irish single malt whiskey. Uh, and then aged in, um, uh, X, they call them X bourbon casks, uh, which I think is really cute. <laughs> Formerly bourbon casks. We've, yeah. we've, uh, we've rehabilitated them. <laughs> uh, for at least three plus years. So, you know, it, it that that I find pretty interesting. I I'm, I always really find it interesting that we just kind of drink this brown liquid that just sat on a shelf for years and years and years and years and years at a time. Um, that, so just you know how my brain works there. Uh, but it's uh it's eighty proof, so n- you know not one of the highest, not one of the lowest. It, it's definitely in there, and it's pretty good. Um, it it doesn't really kick you too much. Uh, it doesn't have like a smokiness. Uh, it doesn't really have, you know, any of that peatiness that I don't like. Hmm. It's good. I definitely <laughs> recommend it. 
you almost were like contemplating. You almost sound surprised halfway through there. You're like, this is really good. It doesn't have anything I don't like. Yeah. Weird. Well, because <laughs> usually like when I go for something barrel aged, I'm usually going for like a cherry or port, uh, sherry or port barrel aged. And uh, I swear I was, I thought I bought a second bottle. I have to go back through the, the recent bottles I bought to make sure I, uh, I didn't actually buy it before I I, um, I buy another one, but the one I'll do next week is a port aged whiskey, and uh, that kind of has like that that wine backbone, which which tends to layer it with another layer of complexity. Whereas this is just kind of like it's whiskey, and it's got some of the sweetness of bourbon, but it's an Irish, but it's not like. The, the difference is subtle enough that you're not, you know, it, it almost doesn't quite seem like a cask aged. So, so I, I definitely recommend it. Uh, so Westcourt, check it out. Uh, what about you, mate? <laughs> Oi, I see what you're doing there with your Irish. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, I am uh, tapping into another one of my little tasting vials. And I had received a little while ago another sample from our friends at Nomad Distillery, mm. uh, which is a quasi-local distillery to me. It's in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. So it's about 45 minutes an hour away from where I am in the 1821 studios, depending on how heavy my right foot gets on the trip. <clears throat> and you may remember from episodes past, I've reviewed their uh, 91 corn whiskey, which I really liked. And then they sent me some of their tapped uh, maple flavored whiskey, which I wasn't as crazy about. <laughs> you were not. Uh, and all. so <laughs> now they're, uh, so they sent me the trifecta. This is their uh, noble bourbon is what they call it. And uh, again, before I start the review, full disclosure, I did receive this for free. So, you know, in the, in the interest of disclosure, I also, since it is a tasting vial, I have not tried it. So this is going to be my, my live reaction on air. Uh, we'll give you some of the stats here. It's pretty standard, uh, you know, 45% alcohol by volume, 86 proof. It's a blend of a couple different straight bourbon whiskeys. <clears throat> they call them Pennsylvanias. You know, you always read on the bottle, you know, Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey does Pennsylvania straight bourbon whiskey. And they claim that it is a little brewed with a little bit of class, but not so much sophistication, so, <laughs> which is a pretty great line. You can kind of apply it to this podcast if we're being honest. Although I must say I was a little, you know, you don't want to let first impressions ruin things, but I was a little taken aback in that it comes with a list of cocktail recipes, which to me just says you don't have much confidence in drinking it straight. Uh, but we can go through some of the names. I won't go through all the ingredients, but we'll go through some of the names. Some of them are pretty standard. You have the bur- the noble mule. You have the noble sour uh, you have a cold brew old-fashioned, which you'd be all about, DJ. Nice. Uh, the notorious F.I.G. <laughs> uh, Nomad mint, mint Julep, which is uh, not much. The Spicy Ginger, which sounds like a girl I dated years ago. Uh, you have Only Time Will Tell. Time, of course, spelled like the spice. And the one that I kind of enjoy, I might actually try to make later on, although you're supposed to, I don't understand the name since you're supposed to use uh, bourbon with it, but Little Rye Lies was another one. <laughs> what? Yeah, Little Rye Lies. It's uh, simple syrup, lemon wheels, mint leaves, muddle it all together, throw in two ounces of this bourbon, put it all in a shaker, shake the shit out of it, put it in a rocks glass over ice. Isn't that just a whiskey mojito? 
Uh, pretty much, oh, it's yeah. Just a smash. It's a whiskey smash. It's a whiskey smash with you know just a little bit extra flair, pretty much. But so it came with that. So I was like, I don't know. Uh, color's pretty good. It's uh, yellowy, golden. It's not super dark. You could you know kind of see through it, so you could tell it's going to be a little bit on the lighter side. The nose is interesting. It's kind of has almost like a honey hint to it right on the nose, but it's not overpoweringly sweet. So we'll, we're going to taste it here, and we're going to see. That's not bad. That's not bad at all. Um, it's pretty smooth. You do get a little hint of honey. You get some uh, spices in there, almost like a little nutmeg, a little cinnamon. And then, ooh, yeah, it finishes off with a pretty nice bourbon burn. Uh, so you do definitely notice uh, the alcohol at the end of it there. I do enjoy that. This is way better than the uh, tapped, let me tell you. I know, I know they really, if you go on their website and you go on the tour and everything, they really push the tapped bourbon. Uh, this is a lot better, in my opinion. Uh, still, though, I, if I'm being brutally honest, it's not as cool to me as the 91 corn. The 91 corn is still probably my favorite just because of the gimmick and just because I've never had a clear corn whiskey that doesn't just taste like absolute fire uh but this is definitely good i would definitely recommend this i'd give this a solid seven seven and a half out of ten and i will be buying this again so hey two out of three ain't bad for the people at nomad nice well done nomad (laughs) go team the little distillery that could right well why don't you roll us right into whiskey news mate well speaking of things that presumably just taste like fire (laughs) uh Jack Daniels has just lost its ever-loving mind. They have released their highest proof whiskey ever. And, uh, you know, I have it in the show notes, so uh, I know you're going to get it right. But do you want to take a guess for the folks at home exactly how how high it is? Uh, I mean, I really wish it was 151, but it's pretty close. It's pretty damn close. It's it's being advertised as 148 proof. Now, for those of you that hate yourselves, uh, you can look it up. It's got a very long name, so give me a minute here. Jack Daniels Single Barrel Special Release Koi Hill High Proof. <laughs> Koi Hill. Yes. Uh, and the name comes from the fact that it is apparently aged on the top racks of the oldest barrel houses upon the very top of Coy Hill, which, of course, is the highest hill in Lynchburg, Tennessee, and is on part of the property uh, that the Jack Daniels Distillery owns. Now, what is interesting about this is it's being advertised as 148 proof, and some of it is, but there's a range. The lowest you're going to get is about 131, and then the highest is about one high 147, low 48. And so I've seen pictures of the bottles. The bottles actually have the date it was bottled, and they actually have handwritten in, like, a marker what the actual proof is. Uh, Interestingly enough, it is actually pushing the legal boundaries of what can be considered legally bourbon whiskey. Oh, geez. Now, uh, according to, uh, you know, the Federal Alcohol and Tobacco Tax and Trade Bureau... Even the strongest barrel-proof offerings, according to them, only land between 115 and 130 proof. So, of course, you know, 
the 148s really pushing it. But do you know, and I only learned this today, reading about all the press releases and everything, do you know what the legal limit for bourbon whiskey is in America? No. 160 proof. Oh, okay. Is there any on the market that actually hit that? I don't know. I didn't look it up. I can I can get back to you next week about that. But I, I don't know. I don't believe so. If there is, it's some, you know, super niche designer brand that presumably most people haven't heard of and the vast majority of people can't afford. Uh for those of you that are interested, the uh, price tag, depending on where you order it, is on the low end about $75, on the high end about 100 uh, including shipping and whatnot. I did take a cursory look just to see if I could even get on a list or something. Most of the initial run is sold out, although there were places that were taking back orders and pre-orders and things. So presumably you can get a bottle if you really want one by spring or the new year or whatever uh i'll be honest with you i'm not as much as it seems like something i would have loved even maybe three four five years ago right now i'm just kind of like eh, it's just it's not gonna taste like anything <laughs> it's just gonna taste like owie yeah i have one high proof rum that i enjoy sipping occasionally and it's uh it's the only time i've ever had a, a high proof thing that i didn't think tasted like gasoline. Yeah, I mean, to me, if you want a good, higher-proof uh, whiskey or bourbon or rye, there's a lot of fun stuff in the 100 to 110-proof range that still has a really good palate, still has a variety of flavors, and then at the end, punches just square in the mouth. Yeah. So, at least for me, for a little while, I'm going to be sticking with that. That being said, if somehow, some way, I stumble across a bottle in the wild, I can't say I wouldn't buy it, but it's not something I'm going to hunt out. Fair. All right, what about you? What are we doing for Tools of the Trade? Well, I figured I'd talk a little bit about a cocktail ingredient that's probably going to be becoming more prevalent in autumn, which is our big topic today, and that is jam. And uh, I, I really find this topic interesting because there's so much you can do with it, and yet I feel like a big focus in, in cocktail culture is more about the muddling of fruit and sugar together. Which, to be fair, is basically jam. Yeah. You apply a little heat to that and you get jam. So uh, if you want to cut out the middleman in some of your cocktails this, uh, this fall, then go get some bespoke jam or counter jam, whatever whatever your favorite jam is, your favorite preserves, and uh, start just thr- trying to throw them into your cocktails. Um, I've used like a mint jelly in, um, in mojitos before. Uh, it changes the flavor a little bit, but it's still pretty tasty. <laughs> um, but I tend to really like throwing, uh, throwing fruit jams in with like a mule. Uh, I really like blueberry jam in my Moscow mules. Um, vodka as a spirit generally takes uh, fruit flavors very, very well. So, uh, you know, a, a mule is, you know, lime juice and ginger beer and vodka. Uh, I, I like kind of taking that lime back a little bit and throwing in some blueberries. Uh, maybe replace the lime with lemon and you'll get a slightly different flavor profile there. Um, 
and you can uh, you can even use some apple jam if you want to try and get some of those fall flavors into your cocktails. You can do uh, a really interesting hot toddy uh, with some apple jam and and uh, a nice like spiced tea. Uh, so I, I definitely want everybody to go out there and, and try out this, this interesting technique. Uh, and you can usually use it to just swap out uh, the sugar and the fruit in your cocktail recipe. Um, there aren't a ton of whiskey cocktails that I could talk about except, you know, the hot toddy uh, in terms of using jam. But if you want to amp up your... Um, your old fashioned in an interesting way, you know, there's an orange peel in an old fashioned. Uh, why not try a little bit of marmalade next time you're, you're trying to make it an old fashioned and go experiment. I know Mark's probably tweaking in the corner right now at hearing me recommend marmalade in an old fashioned, but, uh, it, try it out. It, it, it gives you some interesting flavors to play with. I have to admit I'm a little torn because my initial thought is to tweak out, but no, you make a good point. I mean, why, you know, if it's something that requires fruit, if it's something that requires uh, sugar, why wouldn't you at least try it? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, and I can't really think of a good reason other than you know, the cliche, oh, this is the way we've always done it. Uh, I certainly would recommend sticking with more of the lower shelf whiskeys and bourbons. <laughs> uh, but no, that... That, I think, is actually something that is quasi-intriguing. And so as much as I want to sit here and be snide and do my usual old man yelling at a cloud stick, for this one, at least on the face of it, I can't. Yeah, it's it's a hard uh, recommendation to make in any season before fall in the year. Because, I mean, what are your big summer flavors? You know, your mints, your coconuts, your pineapples. There's no jam there. I've never seen a pine. I've seen pineapple pepper jelly, uh, but that is not the same as the pineapple that goes into tiki drinks. Um, but when you hit fall, there's uh, especially up here in New England, there's an abundance of preserves. Everybody's making them. Every farmer's market has them. Uh, you, you can even go to the grocery store and get some really interesting, like bespoke jams and preserves. Um, and there's, I, I, I'm kind of fascinated with fig preserves. It's one of my favorite uh, pizza ingredients, and I haven't yet figured out how I might use it in a cocktail. Because right, it's hang on, Tyron. Now very, I'm tweaking. Sweet. <laughs> now I am tweaking. Go back to what you just said. You put fig preserves in pizza. Uh-huh. Yeah, my favorite pizza toppings are fig and prosciutto. Look, I know you currently reside in a state in which marijuana is legal, (laughs) but even that does not explain away what. what, Okay, we're going to go off into the weeds here a little bit, ladies and gentlemen. You have to, you have to just bear with us. Explain your thought process here behind fig and prosciutto on a pizza. Yes, Uh, you get the the sweetness and the fruitiness of the fig with the heavy salt of the prosciutto. The prosciutto acts a bit like a sausage or a pepperoni on the pizza, so you already know that the prosciutto would be good. And the the fruit just kind of counteracts. You get the sweetness offset with the saltiness. It's super tasty. I don't... Ugh. I mean, 
Okay, that's the new great debate, folks. You know, people always argue, does pineapple belong on pizza? Uh, yes, it does. Pineapple is delicious. I'll fight all of you. Pineapple is delicious, just not when you put cheese on it. Um, speaking as a man who has a pineapple upstairs that he just recently cut up. Uh, but ooh, fig, I don't know, man. And I like fig newtons. I'm a guy who eat, will eat a fig newton, but on pizza, I... Fig preserves, man. Or just, honestly, it also works with just chopped up fig. You are a strange, strange man. It's a very I... good pizza flavor. Get off my butt. Um, <sighs> but if you're going to use jam in a cocktail to get back to it, I definitely recommend going the shaken route and not the stirred route because the shaken route is going to really break up the the pectin and it's going to make it so that you don't just sip it and then all of a sudden there's a big glob of jam going down your throat. So make sure you shake it good. Um, you are going to get kind of more of a rustic cocktail. Uh, so for those of us who enjoy like, you know, a whiskey smash where you leave the lemons and the mint in the cocktail glass or same thing with the mojito, um, you're going to get a, a, it's going to be a bit rustic. You're going to see like floating seeds and stuff. So if that's not the kind of cocktail you like and you like more of a cleaner cocktail, maybe jams are not for you. Um, but I definitely recommend trying it. There's so many good jams out there. Um, you know, I, anywhere where you might use Luxardo uh, or Triple Sec or any of those fruit liqueurs, honestly, um, try out jam and just see, see if it tickles your fancy. So you have me thinking in a whole new direction. I think upstairs I still have a jar somewhere of some jalapeno pepper jam, and I'm just thinking about uh, Bloody Marys with that, a little bit of glob of that in there. Yeah, that baby. Pretty good. Yeah, that would be uh, amazing in a margarita. Yeah, actually, it would. Mm-hmm. Mm. The uh, the persimmon and cranberry cordial that I have going into the basement right now is all reposado tequila based. So I'm really excited to try it. Well, uh, I'm intrigued. You you know you you've educated us with a few of the tools of the trade, but this one you have me legitimately intrigued. <laughs> yeah. And as long as we leave your questionable pizza toppings out of it, I think that was a pretty good segment. Well, uh, message us on uh, Facebook, on Instagram, or at uh, thewittenwhiskeycast at gmail dot com. Let us know what's what weird pizza toppings do you love. Give us your hot takes, pizza toppings and weird oh. jams that you might put in your cocktails. Wow. I gotta, I, ooh, I'd have to think about that for you. I mean, what do I like on pizza that's weird? But, yeah. All right. Yeah, that's a whole other episode. Don't you love my segue there? Asking for I, hot takes, getting into hot takes about autumn? I do. All right. So you're Mr. Fall. Mm-hmm. So you're going to start us off, and I imagine you're going to want to start us off with something that you consider to be underrated, and I think I know what we're going to start with. Uh, I do. I do want to talk about underrated, but I'm actually going to start with the one that you don't think I'm going to start with. Okay, go ahead then. Uh, I'm going to start with what I kind of originally considered really boring, but I actually really want to talk about it because it's saved my ass so many times. And it's like all of the fall maintenance that you don't really think about for your house and for, like, taking care of your house in the winter. Specifically, small engine repair shops, for those of us who are uh, 
hardware challenged, let's say. <laughs> um, so I, the first year we lived in this house, I had a, a pretty new snowblower, and the thing just wouldn't start on me. I had to like uh, I had to use the 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 plug-in starter. Every time I started it, it, it would stall out. It just it was kind of clunky. Uh, so the next year, I sent it off to a small local engine repair shop, and they did a whole like fall service. It was pretty affordable, and they got it back to me, and I could pull start it. The thing was purring. I never once had a problem with it again. They they did some really great service on it. Uh, they actually told me a lot of really good things I should be doing with my snowblower to store it over the the summer. Um, and it's just, it's those small things I think are underrated. Um, I, I know so many people, especially up here in New England, who uh, just bitch all winter about throwing shear pins on their snowblowers and uh, how their snowblower won't start and they had to shovel everything. Uh, that has not been my reality for like three years now, and it's amazing. And it's the same thing with like... I know it's it's like it's not fun. It's not fun to talk about regular furnace maintenance, Mark. No, it's not a sexy topic. It is not a sexy topic, but for somebody who just I am not a DIYer. I don't work on cars. I don't work on engines. I like drywall was like the sheer crazy ceiling limit of what I thought I was capable of and it's taken me like 500 times longer than anybody else would do it. So, like, for somebody who's kind of dumb about this shit, having, like, companies that can affordably take care of this shit and make sure, like, give me peace of mind is great. And, like, I I found um, a really good small engine repair shop, and they, they, can, they did my lawnmower for a few years until I got an electric one. They do my snowblower... I've got, I finally got a really good plumber who helps out with my furnace and stuff because the furnace is, let's say it's, uh, it's a, it's showing its age. It's this new plumber is really helping me out. So I, I think that, uh, all of that is underrated. Um, and just in essence, like the fall prep you have to do for your house, like turning off your outdoor spigots and opening them up and draining them cleaning out your gutters a bit to make sure that you're not like going to have frozen gutters that burst, uh, over the winter. Um, you know, just all of that, like house maintenance stuff that I didn't know about when I bought a house. I, it's a boring topic, but by God, is it underrated around here? Not enough people do it. And I just spend the entire winter like happy and cozy in my house with my happy snowblower and everyone else is complaining. No, there that that is a great market. I mean, if anybody you know young is listening and wondering what to do with their lives, if you can get into small engine repair and you know have a little shop even out of you know your garage on the side of your house or whatever, you if you're somewhat competent, you will have a job for life. Everybody has lawnmowers, everybody has <clears throat> leaf blowers, weed whackers, snow blowers, and not a lot of people know how to work on them. Uh, and it's becoming a, a harder and harder skill to find because everything is converting to electric for good or for bad. Mm -hmm. So if you can work on the small little two-stroke motors, uh, you're going to be in business. Fun fact, DJ, actually, uh, for years, we had a long, the old man and I had a long-term lease on a garage that we 
uses our race shop that actually originally was a small engine repair shop. Oh, wow. And uh, gentleman had run this shop. It was a, he was smart. It was a, his garage for his house, but it was a separate building, and he actually got it zoned commercial. And so he just went out to his garage every day, worked eight hours, you know, would close an hour for lunch, go back inside his house, and blah, blah, blah. He sadly passed away. His wife uh, put the place up for rent, and we were there for about four or five years, and, you know, we're rattling neighbors' windows and things. But it was, he had a nice setup, and, you know, it was, if you had told me that a guy, a shop for working on lawnmowers would convert to a full-fledged race shop as easily as it did, I wouldn't have believed you until we did it. That's amazing. All right. Well, if we're doing underrated, I'm going to start with uh, apple cider. Hell yeah. I like apple cider. Apple cider does not get enough love. Uh, it is, you know, pretty seasonal. I mean, I, I think I've never really looked for it per se, you know, most of the, the year. But I'm pretty sure you can get it year round. I think there are places that make it year round. But now that we're in fall, there's huge displays. I mean, you go across the street to the grocery store I go to, as soon as you walk in, eight-foot-tall display, all different kinds of apple cider. Of course, I am a traditionalist. I just want apple cider. But uh, I don't want, you know, any flavors or anything. But apple cider does not get enough love because it's you could drink it hot. You could drink it cold. Mm -hmm. You could drink it with booze. You could drink it straight. You could have it for breakfast. You could have it for lunch. You could have it for dinner. You could have it at night. You could put mulling spices in it. You could put any type of, you know, nutmeg or cinnamon or anything you have in your spice cabinet in it. You can mix it with different things and, you know, even make virgin cocktails and whatnot. It is all around good. Someone such as yourself, DJ, you could bake with it. Mm -hmm. There are a few things I love as much as an apple cider donut. Oh, they're so good. So damn good. And for as fat as I am, I'm not a big donut guy normally. But apple cider donuts, hell yes. It, it's bonkers to me when you go outside of New England and people haven't had apple cider donuts. If you're listening to this, if you were within the sound of my voice and you have not had an apple cider donut, even if you don't like donuts, hunt one up, try one. They're you will so not good. regret it. Yeah, they're not really, like, they're donuts, but they're not really donuts. They're like their no. own class. No, they're more of like an apple pastry uh, vaguely in the shape of a donut, but uh, they are very good. See, we're a little spoiled here, not terribly far from where I sit in the 1821 studios. There are two private orchards, uh, and they do a lot of their own apple cider making and their own apple preservatives and whatnot. Uh, so mm -hmm. this time of year, we are just flooded with the good local apple cider, and it seems like I'm the only one around here that gets really excited about it. Generally, the thing is, like, oh, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, Braces has the apple cider out. Okay, it's like, are you people nuts? Like, just cider, fresh, fresh cider. Uh -huh. Yeah, I mean, I'm lucky enough to live in New England, so I can actually generally, in New Hampshire, get apple cider year-round, and it's bonkers to some people that that's a thing. Yeah, so uh, apple cider is really good. I mean, I... I like it better than apple juice. I like apple juice. You know, I drank tons of it as a kid. I still pick up a bottle every now and then. But to me, if you gave me cider or juice, I would take cider any day of the week. It's so good. All right, give us something overrated. All right, I, I'm going to make a lot of... I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not going to make friends with this, Mark. All right, but go on. I do love apple cider. I don't like apple crisp. 
You communist. <laughs> um, I love all things apple. I love apple pie. I love candy apples. I'm a 34-year-old man, and I had a candy apple last year. <laughs> so I do. I love apples, um, which is good for living in New England. But I can't deal with apples and oats together. Okay. Uh, like, I will, in the oven, I will bake slices of apple with cinnamon and sugar. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do it up. I love baked apples. I, I make many apple pies throughout the year because I love apples. But I can't deal with the oats. And everybody, everybody around here loves apple crisp. The town I grew up in has an apple harvest day, and there's like 40 ty- kinds of apple crisp, and I have never liked any of them. I feel like saying you don't like apple crisp is like saying you're not a dog person. Like, everyone looks at you, no matter how nice you say it, as if you've just kicked them in the, in the balls. So... Well, you know, it's interesting, and I say this as someone who isn't a dog person, but I do like apple crisp. Uh, my father-in-law makes an apple crisp. He's, he's a great cook. He's a great baker. And I generally am the only person that gets really excited when he makes it besides him. <laughs> uh, my mother-in-law eats it mostly just to be polite. There's a lot of it. Annie hates it. Annie will not eat it. Uh, she doesn't like the texture. She doesn't like the consistency. Uh, I, I enjoy it because to me it's sort of like, I don't want to say apple pie on steroids. It's not the right word. But it's like a weird variation of apple pie. It's like, oh, here's all these different flavors, but you have a whole new texture. And, oh, it cuts different, and you bake it different. And it's, ooh. Uh, So, I mean, I love apple crisp, but at the same time, I guess because I know so many people that don't like it, you know, I'm giving you shit like, you communist and everything. That that one isn't that weird. (laughs) Honestly, for me, it's, uh, it's from many, many years of, like, older relatives trying to get me to eat healthy desserts and being told that I was about to have a chocolate chip cookie when it was oatmeal raisin. (laughs) And I, there are a few things in this world that I detest more than the oatmeal raisin cookie. And that this kind of apple crisp kind of falls into the same category for me. I don't, if I'm going to eat a cookie, I want a fucking cookie. I don't want a granola bar. Same thing with apples. If I'm going to bake apples with a ton of fucking sugar and cinnamon and, you know, maybe even maple syrup, then I fucking want an apple pie with a, a scoop of ice cream. If you're going to go to town, go into Lincoln. Do you like, like, apple turnovers and things, or is that no bueno either? They're fine. I mean, honestly, it's the oats. It's the oatmeal part okay. of it. It's like... I mean, there's probably also something here of, like, growing up having braces and getting oats stuck in your teeth and being, like, oat-averse for many years. All right. Now, see, that I can actually respect. I mean, I I was either lucky enough or just didn't care. My parents didn't care enough. I never had braces, so I never had to deal with that. But that seems like that would suck. Yeah, it's just, it's not my favorite thing. And, and the way that Apple Crisp cooks to get that crisp it's just not a, I don't like it. It's not a good mouthfeel. <laughs> Anywho, take me away from this hellhole. All right, I'm going to do my first overrated one, and it's one that's uh, timely. Haha, <laughs> bad pun. Uh, and it's, well, I wrote down in the notes standard time, but really it's time change in general. 
It's just, it's dumb. It's stupid. I don't like it. Um, it gets dark here at literally 4.30 in the afternoon now. You can't do a goddamn thing. Uh, you get up, it's dark. You come home from work, it's dark. You don't know what the hell time it is. Like, you know, we, we kept saying the other day, you know, oh, well, it's 11 o'clock. Well, really, it's 10 o'clock. Well, it's... Uh, and then it's like you set your clocks back an hour or you set them forward an hour. But, you know, it doesn't really take... The time change doesn't actually take place till 2 o'clock. But, you know, you'll eventually catch up. So it's like, oh, just change them now. So you're walking around for like eight hours, like a good part of the day with the wrong time. And then inevitably in my house, there's always one clock that we don't change. And then you have to change the fucking clocks in your car, which, holy shit. I literally... My Chrysler has a book just how to change the clock radio. I'm not shitting you. There's a three-page book of just what you have to do just to change the clock. And, you know, we keep extending daylight savings time. We keep extending daylight savings time. I, I think W was the last one. He extended it in, like, 03 or 04 or something. Again. So now it's only November to March. Like, we don't even go to St. Patrick's Day now. Just pick one or the other and go year-round. Yeah, fair. There are some states that actually do that. Arizona, I know, is one of them. Indiana used to be one of them, although I think now they, they do the change. But just pick one or the other, go with it. Uh, technology has come far enough that um, you know farmers don't need the extra daylight as much as we say they do. I mean, I'm not shitting on farmers. They have a hard-ass life. But this is, I think sunlight is now one of the least of their problems with yeah. everything going on. Also, most of us are not farmers anymore. <laughs> No, and, you know, it's just I'm sick and tired of trying to figure out what time it is, why it gets dark so early. Do we gain an hour? Do we lose an hour? Just pick one and just go with it. I'm fucking done. This is actually my least favorite time of the year because we go from a time where, like, it's decent. Like, there's light when you wake up to when there's just not. And you know, we're, we're going to be talking about birthdays next week. My poor mother, her birthday is always on the shortest day of the year. Oh, that's rough. She has a late December birthday, so she always gets about like five and a half hours of daylight on her birthday every year. Yeah. That sucks. All right. Give us something else underrated. Um, I just, I, I call this category the extra blanket. I feel like it's really common, at least for, like, New England dudes, to, like, try to go as far into winter without putting on extra layers as possible. I I used to be that way, but nowadays, like, I want scarves. I want sweaters. I want hoodies. I, I've already got the extra blanket on my bed. I got another one at the foot of my bed for when I get cold one of these nights. Like... I like being warm. I like comfort. And I, I feel like like the extra blanket and the scarf are just underrated in New England until winter gets here. I, I enjoy scarves, um, you know, both from a warmth perspective and also like from a fashion accessory perspective. Decent mm-hmm. overcoat, decent suit. You can have a nice scarf that rounds out. Uh, I have a, I, I'm a big fan of the sweater vest. <laughs> which I know is, you know, sort of nerdy and hipster now to say, uh, but a nice sweater vest under a, a sport coat, you know, you can go t- with a tie or without. I, I do enjoy a good sweater vest. I mean, to be uh, fair, you were into them before they were cool. I, I was. I wasn't going to say it, but I was. I have a whole closet full of sweater vests. Uh, 
hoodies, I like hoodies. My problem is I have too goddamn many hoodies. Uh, from <laughs> racing, you know, no, you go to a race, they, they give out jackets, you know, I have dart from dart leagues, and then just from over the years, you know, my grandmother would buy me one or the other. I, I legitimately probably have 20 or 25 hoodies, and I consistently wear three. Mm-hmm. So I'm just done with hoodies, not just as a, you know, statement against them or that. I just have too fucking many. I, I don't want any hoodies anymore. <laughs> um, I do feel like you're leaving out the greatest, one of the five or ten greatest inventions humanity has ever created, though. Oh. And that is the electric blanket. I don't love those. I think, oh. they're, I think they're overrated. Oh. Uh, uh, I, I, will, I will. You can have my electric blanket when you pull, pry it from my cold, dead hands. I, I'm, a, I'm a fleece and quilt kind of person. I, give me give me a nice quilt to bundle up underneath. Give me a good book. Give me a nice sweater. I'm happy. There is only one disadvantage to the electric blanket, at least for me anyway. And Fires? It just, it is, no, they all have safety shutoffs now. Uh, it's just that it, it instantly makes me sleepy. <laughs> like, I can just, you know, be up going perfectly fine, curl up under the electric blanket, put something on TV, 15 minutes later I'm out. I think I had one for my car at one point, like two cars ago, and I finally got rid of it because I used it like once. See, I've never had a car electric blanket, but this the one I have upstairs now is probably the third or fourth like blan- electric blanket, 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 like queen size, you know, big old thing. Yeah, fair. All right, so my next, my next overrated, huh? Uh, are you going to do overrated or do I get to do an underrated? Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, you should do an underrated. Do an underrated. Because I'm looking ahead at mine, and I I'm, I just want to rip off the band-aid. But you, you go first. Uh, I'm going to go... Uh, we're going to go a little white trash here. We went from, you know, apple cider and Norman Rockwell paintings and Hallmark cards to uh, the other side. We're going to go to the trailer park. I'm going to go with the McRib. I had my first McRib last year. It's, it's, it's pretty good. It's not bad. Uh, you know... Now you're uh, people are screaming into the microphone that they're not underrated because, you know, there are there literally are some people that travel across the country and they follow the McRib. There's actually a website you can go that will tell you every McDonald's anywhere on earth that has it and this, that, and the other thing. But they get a lot of hate. And I think a lot of it is just because, you know, for any when you have one extreme faction, you're gonna naturally have another. So you have these hardcore uh, McRib fans. And then you have these hardcore McRib haters just because of the fans. And that's fair enough to an extent. But, like, try it. It's actually really good. It actually tastes like boneless ribs. I know it isn't. It's probably some animal they grow in a lab somewhere. Don't care. Uh, But it's, you know, McDonald's food is, of course, as everybody knows, pretty shit, pretty low quality. This at least looks good. It has a better bun. It has some fried onions. It has a tangy barbecue sauce. And it's a decent, you know, pulled pork sandwich substitute, bone, you know, boneless uh, sandwich substitute for a decent price. I mean, you go to a decent barbecue place and you're going to pay money for decent money for a sandwich and rightfully so. But this is a cheap alternative. I will concede uh, it probably wouldn't be as good and it probably wouldn't be underrated if it was year round because then it wouldn't have the mystique anymore that it that it sort of does. Uh, but you know, in the spring, you could say the same thing about Girl Scout cookies. Girl Scout cookies aren't really that good. 
you're helping charity and they only come around year round and they're outside and they're like, hey, mister, do you want to buy a box of cookies? Yeah, you know what? Fuck it, I do. It's you, the same you thing. Shut your if, mouth. They're fantastic. No, I like Girl Scout cookies, but if you could get them year round at the store, they wouldn't be as good. And it's probably the same thing with the McRib. I don't care. I'm a big McRib fan. Uh, they actually dropped this past week, at least here locally anyway, and I was not able to get one because I was puking my guts out. So hopefully this coming week I can at least just stop down and just grab one. Just get the sandwich. Don't get the fries. Don't get the fucking drink. Just get the fucking sandwich. It's uh, fair. And, I, I, and I mean, you'll enjoy it. my trashy McDonald's pick is always going to be the Shamrock Shake. Now, see, I think those are overrated. I love those. But to, my birthday's in March, so they've always been a birthday treat. All right. Well, that's fair. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think I saw on one of my favorite like sitcoms, uh, there was like a woman on death, death row, and the guard was like, uh, for her last meal, she asked for a shamrock shake and a McRib. It's pretty smart. Those two are almost never out there together. Yeah. <laughs> Although I believe it's, I used to know this. I believe it's Germany. There's one country that the McRib is actually year round. Mm-hmm. And I believe it's Germany. Ridiculous. Now you're, you're up in New England. Can you get some of that weird ass, like New England only McDonald's stuff, like the lobster rolls and stuff? Do they have that up there? Yeah. Um, don't. Don't well, I don't do eat that. lobster normally, so but I'm just curious. No, just, just we don't a, get anything fun. Just a PSA: if you are in New Hampshire or Maine, and you see that there's a lobster roll at McDonald's, drive two more buildings, and there will be a seafood shack <laughs> with a better lobster roll. For fuck's sake! If you are in New Hampshire, message us at the Wit and Whiskey Cast, and I will get back to you with five places you can get a better lobster roll. Please. Don't do the mark. No, I don't eat lobster. I wouldn't get, I would just be curious, you know, because the seasonal stuff. Like, I actually, I was that guy. My last day in Paris, when I went to Paris, I went to McDonald's uh, just to, you know, because the Royale cheese, the whole Pulp Fiction thing. Uh, But also because you could actually get beer at McDonald's in Paris. Yeah, fair. It was awful. It was a terrible beer. But it was just a principle of you could get a quarter pounder and a beer. Uh, but yeah, that's that. Uh, you're you're my age, just about. Do you remember <laughs> yes. the McPizza? No. I vaguely remember when they tried to sell pizza. Basically, ladies and gentlemen, if you're younger than us and you don't know what the hell we're talking about, you could look it up. It was a thing. McDonald's actually sold pizza for a little while in the late 80s, early 90s. They sold spaghetti, too, which that, that never came around here. But the McPizza actually came around here. Think of the Lunchables pizzas. But bigger and somewhat lukewarm. <laughs> it's the best way I could describe it. Oh, God. Do you know that you can still get the McPizza at one McDonald's in Orlando? God. Oh, God. Don't. That's my PSA. Just don't. <laughs> <laughs> I would eat. I'll tell you what. And I'll go on the record and say this. I would eat your fig-ass pizza before I eat the McPizza again. Oh, you're going to eat a fig pizza at some point. You're going to be like, that's really good. I'll be like, yeah, What? Yeah. <laughs> Why are you following me around with a tape recorder in your pocket? No. Uh, yeah, so that's that. No, if you're ever bored and you want to go down a rabbit hole, ladies and gentlemen, just Google uh, lost McDonald's items, but abandoned McDonald's items. They had mm-hmm. some weird shit back in the day. Yeah. It's like the modern-day Starbucks secret menu. Yes. Yeah. All right, so overrated. All right, go ahead. 
fucking leaf peeping. <laughs> See, I just have leaves in general, so we could just combine this into one. But yeah, go ahead. Keep going. So spe- specifically, just tourist season in New England. Because we get all the crazy like New Yorkers and Bostonians coming up for our beaches in the summer. And then everybody comes up here for leaves and New England has a lot to offer. We have a lot of really great skiing mountains. I'm told there's some cool hiking shit. If you're into that, um, there's also like a lot of really cool farmers markets and orchards and shit like that, that you can do in the fall in New England, but people come up for the leaves and I get it. It's pretty, but I've lived in the state my entire life. I've seen yellow leaves before. (laughs) fucking go back go home it's not worth it and we get a bunch of really grumpy tourists who come up on the wrong weekend and then they treat everyone like shit and then leave so i uh i actually this is like the one really big saving grace that new england has for the winter is that there's no fucking tourists in portsmouth (laughs) Because yeah. they, they all go north to the ski mountains, and then my wife and I can actually go to Portsmouth and enjoy Portsmouth and eat in Portsmouth without shitty people complaining about the fucking leaves. So it, it, you want to do it once in your lifetime, fine. Read the farm, Farmer's Almanac. Figure out when the leaves are going to change. Come up a couple of different weekends, and don't fucking complain if you don't see the leaves perfectly because they change in like a week and then they start falling and that's how a new england do see i'm not going to be as nice about it as, as dj because I, I put the leaves in general because my my hatred of leaves uh, is a little bit more broad and i'll get into it in a minute but just to finish off the leaf peeping uh i am a, an old man so i often watch the local news the six o'clock news and the past couple of weeks they actually have like a map of the state of Pennsylvania, and they're, oh, the, the leaves are changing here, the leaves are changing here. First of all, it's 2021, damn near almost 2022. Pull out your fucking cell phone, Google, leaves changing, million pictures come up, boom, mm-hmm. you're done, you've seen them. That's all you need to do. It looks exactly the same as the fucking picture. Actually, it won't look as good as the fucking picture because some really talented photographer took that picture you're looking at, and no matter where you go, they ain't going to look as good as that. Yeah. Number two, you're literally looking at something dying. Now, that doesn't bother me any, but it's not that, you know, oh, it's so beautiful. So that, No, it fucking isn't. It's just they turn yellow, then they turn red, then they turn brown, then they fall the fuck off. Whoopty shit. Uh, I bitch around here oftentimes that there's nothing to do. There's not a lot to do. There are still a million fucking things I will do before I go leaf peeping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, my hatred of leaves is more general than that. They get everywhere they get in your gutters they get on your roof they get all over your fucking yard they're slippery as shit because it could rain on a tuesday four thursdays later they're still soaking wet yeah they decompose they smell and you know and this is a whole uh greater thing you know i could do a whole overrated underrated episode just on 
lawns and the fucking weird-ass etiquette we have in this country about lawns. No other country in the world gives a shit about what a lawn looks like the way we do. Mm-hmm. But, you know, one of the things, oh, you can't just run the leaves over with a lawnmower. You have to bag them, and you have to fuck you. <laughs> fuck all the rules that go around the leaves. Fuck the special days you have to look up when the garbage company's going to come and pick up the fucking leaves. Fuck the special bags you have to go to Lowe's to buy. Just fuck it all. Do you Bugs do any live of in that? <laughs> What's that? Do you do any of this, like bagging leaves? Not anymore. Um, for the most part, I was just running them over with a lawnmower because I don't give a shit and we don't have neighbors. But it's to the point now where we have so many leaves, we have so many trees that I just pay the the lawn guy that we have to come in. He fucking bags them. I don't give a shit. Fuck it. Yeah, I, uh, um, I do a tiny bit of raking in the spring, actually, to get up some of the acorns and shit that the squirrels missed. And then I just run it all over with a, a lawnmower because eventually we get one really good wind and it blows back into the woods and then yeah. there's no more leaves. Yeah. So I I just hate leaves in general. I hate that, you know, that's some people's entire fall identity. But it is what it is. Leaves suck. Yeah. I'm not a fan. I, I do try to get one good mow done before the first snow. So that way, like, it's at least in pieces underneath the snow. And then it's a little bit easier to like blow around in the spring. But I don't, I, when I bought this house, uh, I bought a leaf blower and a weed whacker and I use my weed whacker. I use my lawnmower. I, I haven't pulled up my leaf blower in two years cause I don't give a shit. Yeah. All right. Give us the big one. My 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 underrated, my last underrated. Yeah, what's well, this is where we are at, so go ahead. <sighs> Pumpkin spices. Ugh. Now, uh I didn't want to completely gross mark out. So I'm not actually talking about pumpkin spice flavoring. I'm talking about the actual spices themselves. And how okay. I think they are underrated. All right, this this is an acceptable plan of attack. Go ahead. Now, I Mark knows that I am a basic bitch who loves pumpkin spice. I do feel like manufacturers go overboard. I don't really need pumpkin spice mayonnaise or pumpkin hey, spice now, ranch. Now dressing. you're stealing why I have it listed as overrated. But okay. <laughs> but let me talk about the spices. So, uh, pumpkin spice is some combination of clove, cinnamon, nutmeg. And then maybe some allspice uh, and some ginger. They're all really good spices. Uh, they are literally what you put in a fucking pumpkin pie. You measure out each of them. You throw it in with some pumpkin puree. Uh, and you, you have a, a really great pie. Um, I happen to think these are all really good spices. And the only one that ever seems to really get its due is cinnamon. And everybody likes cinnamon. Apple cinnamon, everything. I mean, you the only oatmeal I eat is apple cinnamon with dinosaur eggs in it because I am still a child. Um, but clove, clove is amazing. Uh, you can do some really interesting things with cloves. If you take, uh, a small orange and you poke whole cloves all over it. So it looks like a pin cushion. The clove actually becomes like this really interesting, like fall scent thing that like desiccates the orange and kind of sends the orange and clove scent throughout your house. It's like one of my favorite fall facts, uh, and I've only ever seen like one or two families around here do it, but it's really cool. 
Uh, allspice doesn't actually taste like all spices. It's fantastic. And I, it's one of those spices that, uh, when you taste it, you can tell it has a distinct taste and it tends to be in like every spice blend for like pies, anything sweet has allspice. Uh, nutmeg is amazing and it's not just amazing in eggnog. Um, nutmeg is actually like a weirdly secret killer ingredient for seafood. Uh, and not a lot of people seem to know this, but I, anytime you, you can make like, uh, if you do like a creamy sauce for seafood, um, like say like a scampi or an Alfredo or something like that. Um, if you toss in some nutmeg, it just amps it up a little bit. Uh, and it's also really just, it's really tasty, like fresh ground over some coffee. Uh, and then ginger is my all time favorite spice. Like I love, we, we've, we've talked about our mutual love of, uh, gingerbread. Yes, we have. That is underrated. Yeah. Uh, gingerbread, ginger snaps. Uh, I make ginger chocolate chip cookies with both uh, ground ginger and crystallized ginger in it, and nobody seems to like them but me, but that's okay. Um, I guarantee you I would like them. Yeah, I think you would love them. I just So all of these spices individually, uh, out of the five or six main spices that go into pumpkin spice, cinnamon really is the only one that people really remember. But um, do you remember the candied Necco wafers? Yes. They're, they're back, by the way. You can get them again. Okay, I did not know that. Uh, Necco wafers. Uh, I actually really like Necco wafers, and I, I feel like they are an underrated and mostly hated candy. Uh, but if you open a pack of Necco wafers uh, and you grab a purple one, the purple Necco wafers are clove-flavored. Mm, all right. So uh, that, that that is my appeal to... Uh, kind of drum up some love for the the other spices that go into this pumpkin spice blend that everybody freaks out about. Cloves are not just for hipster cigarettes anymore. No, no, they are not. All right. Well, uh, I'm just going to skip around to my overrated because I have pumpkin everything listed as overrated. <laughs> my, my plan of attack with this was, uh, and I'm going to use something that I really, really enjoy, because it does the same problem, and I get mad about it with the same problem. Pumpkin has the same issue that cranberries have. Oh? Cranberries mix with everything. I, I'm a man, because again, I'm an old man. I like cranberry juice. I often keep a gallon of cranberry juice in the house. Fair. Nothing pisses me off more than when I'm you know, going through the grocery store, and I have my earbuds in, I'm listening to a podcast, whatever, throw a bottle of cranberry juice in the cart, get to the end or worse shit, get home and realize that it's cran apple <laughs> or, you know, cran raspberry. Or cran I want fucking cranberry juice. Cranberries do not need a friend. I Cranberries do, do not need help. I do have a bottle of cran grape juice in my of fridge right now. Of course you fucking do. And it's the same thing with pumpkin. We're going to put pumpkin with this. We're going to put pumpkin with this. Who is pumpkin's agent? He's doing the Lord's work. He should get a fat-ass commission because there is pumpkin with everything. No, there are certain things that pumpkin is good in. Pumpkin pie. Wonderful. I'm not a flavored coffee guy, but in the fall, if you want a flavor, if you want a pumpkin coffee, okay. I drink a pumpkin beer every now and then when they come out. There's a few breweries that make decent pumpkin beer. I'll have a pumpkin beer every now and again. Pumpkin, that's about it. 
there's a few things pumpkin is good at. Leave it at that. Yeah, like lattes. Same thing with cranberry. I don't know. I don't drink lattes normally, so I couldn't tell you. <laughs> but it's just, it, pumpkin does not need a friend. Cranberries do not need a friend. Stay in your fucking lane, pumpkin. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> All right. So I guess, you know, we talk about cranberries, so I'll jump to my, my last underrated. And I know we're going to do a whole episode on this, so we're not going to get to the nitty gritty. But I put Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is highly underrated, and I would even argue anymore Thanksgiving is forgotten. Uh, because at least around here, I don't know how it is with you, DJ, at least around here, Christmas begins about the second weekend in October. I had to go to Lowe's the other, well, it was a couple weeks ago. It was like October 10th or something, uh, to buy some hardware to put some locks on the doors since we have the cat now, you know, put some like swing out things just so we couldn't get a couple of the doors open. They already had their Christmas trees up like front and center. Right. When you walk in all the Christmas trees, all the big inflatable Santas, everything. Yeah. Now, luckily around here, Halloween has made a bit of a comeback mostly because we're, we we're slowly becoming a college town. There's a lot of bars, Halloween parties, that sort of thing. So you get like two to three weeks of Christmas in the beginning of October. Then you have a solid week now of spooky season. Then you jump right back into Christmas hardcore. Like I believe one of the radio stations here has already gone 24-7 Christmas music. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. No, it's fucking awful. Uh, Likewise, if you're not super hardcore into Christmas in of itself with the decorating and the music and whatnot, uh, Thanksgiving around here has become an extension of Black Friday. Most places now are open on Thanksgiving, which is just fucking awful for a whole multitude of reasons that I won't go into. And most people don't do Thanksgiving dinner anymore. They don't do Friendsgiving. They don't do anything. Most people just go and either go shopping if the store is open or Wednesday night they go and wait in line to go shopping for the store is open. Uh, Thanksgiving is great. It's, you know... uh, Taking aside the unfortunate implications of the Pilgrim story and whatnot, it's a quintessential American holiday. It was started by Lincoln as straight propaganda to try to unite the country in the 1860s. Uh, We get together, we eat too much, we spend too much money on food, we yell politics with people we hate, and then we all watch football and we're happy at the end of the day. It's a quintessential American fucking holiday and it's being forgotten and it's upsetting. God damn it. Yeah, I'm doing my part this year. I'm having Thanksgiving and Friendsgiving. Yeah. So, and, and you know, and your Friendsgiving's on Monday. It doesn't have to be on the Thursday. Just have the dinner, have the get-together, have the whatever. People's schedules are crazy. I understand that. But, you know, we, we should bring it back, and we need to cut, like, six weeks out of Christmas because Christmas is pretty much from, like, October 1st to really the middle of January because then you have all the after Christmas sales and the whatnot and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so, I mean, there's, there is a solid, uh, let's see, 8, 13. There's a solid 15, 16 weeks of Christmas now, and it's just fucking ridiculous. So I shouldn't admit to you that over this weekend, Holly and I already watched the first two Home Alone movies, right? Well, I mean, they're at least the good ones. And I really thought you were going to say, because you, you had said before we started recording about all the stuff you did at the house, I really thought you were going to say you put your Christmas lights up. No. And I probably was going to drive up to New Hampshire and punch you in the face and leave. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, I'll live with the two Home Alone movies. That's okay. Uh, speaking of a shameless plug, but they're making a fourth one. I mean, didn't they already make a fourth one? No, they made a third one that nobody likes to talk about. But they're making a fourth one called... 
uh, Home Sweet Home Alone. It's going to be on Disney Plus, and Buzz McAllister is comes back. They got the original actor for him. Well, you know that might not actually be bad because the Mighty Duck show that they did on Disney Plus was actually really good, and they nice. got Emilio to come back. And they tied up a few of the loose ends with the movies and whatever. So I might give that a chance, actually. So, Mark, I'm seeing here that I do have one more overrated. You do. And this is one that I also think is overrated. So go ahead. Uh huh. It's camping. I talked to so many people in the fall. Like one of my uh, one of my peers at work likes to take, you know, a couple of weeks off and and go camping with his family and. You know, it's a big deal, and I, I've got another friend who, you know, spends all summer going camping with her mom, and I just I fucking hate it. And I, I, I wish I liked camping. I wish I liked hiking. I wish I liked all of those, like, outdoor pr- pursuits. I will go to the beach a few times over the summer. That's about as much outdoors as I really need. I just... I don't really like being outdoors all that much. And camping is just, I had to do it so much as a kid because I was in Cub Scouts and then I was in Boy Scouts and we did the week away. And I just don't like camping at all. That boat left. I wasn't on it. We currently have at the museum an intern. His name's Ryan. He's a great kid, hard worker, but he is a hardcore camping aficionado. And the other day, he was going on and on about how he and his girlfriend went up for the weekend in some state park, and they were camping, and it got so cold at night. And he said, you know, if it, gets, if it keeps at this rate, I'm going to have to start bringing a tent. And I said, but, excuse me? And he said, oh, yeah. He goes, we just bring whatever we, we could put in our backpacks. And they just sleep in sleeping bags outside on the ground. And I was like do I need to drug test you? Are you high? What is this? Uh, you know, he, oh, he's, he digs the hole to go and squat over and take a shit in. And just, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't. Racing and everything, we used to have to go camping. You'd have to stay over at tracks and whatnot. We have a 34-foot uh, camper, central air, central heat, hot and cold running water, shower, shitter, two TVs, full kitchen, uh, yeah, queen size bed that's camping yeah <laughs> that's the only way i'm gonna go <laughs> yeah even there like i i've got friends who are like hey we should go for a day hike and i'm like i'll meet you for lunch afterward and they're like oh no it, it takes the whole day and i'm like i yeah. am not doing that yeah no i i'm i'm not a hiker i'm not even a beach guy um you know my friends make fun of me uh that are into the beach they call me anakin skywalker because i hate sand It just gets everywhere and, you know, there's salt in the water and there's sharks and everything. I just, I don't, I don't get nature. I don't, you know, no. So camping sucks. I agree with you on that. I, I, I like the idea of nature and then I get outside and I'm like, oh, this sucks. Where's the inside? I just look at it. We did not spend the last, what, 15,000, 20,000, however many years, you know, since man crawled out of the primordial ooze. We did not spend that evolving to go to the top of the food chain to just throw away all of our technology. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just not a fan. But Mark, uh, Mark, take us out. Take us out. So that has been fall. Uh, You know, it's barely 10 o'clock here as we record this, and I'm looking out the window of the 1821 studios, and it looks like it's about 3.30 in the goddamn morning. 
but yeah, that that is uh, fallen hot takes, fallen whiskey. Uh, you know, let us know. Get with us. We're on uh, Instagram. We are on Gmail. We're on Facebook. We are the Wit and Whiskey Cast. Uh, there is no H in Wit. There is an E in Whiskey, uh, and you don't even have to put the parentheses in. So uh, we're there. You can listen to us on a bunch of different places. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Listen Notes, Stitcher, Cast, Pocket Casts, a billion different places. Whole list is up on Facebook. Uh, big shout out to Nuno Henry Silva, our buddy, for the intro and outro music. We're going to send you to a SoundCloud, as we always do in the show notes. We're going to have the link there. Uh, we kind of let the cat out of the bag next week. Uh, you know, normal service should resume now on the, the release schedule now that I'm not dying and hopefully DJ doesn't get sick. <laughs> so uh, all told, we're going to be back on our normal schedule. Apologize again for the lost week. But next week, we're going to talk about birthdays. And it's, you know, kind of going to be like this week a little bit in that DJ likes them. I don't. <laughs> But, uh, spoiler alert, you know, we have to blame it on my buddies, the Romans. We're going to get into, really, the first widespread celebration of birthdays, and not just for people. We'll talk about all that. So, uh, fair warning, there's going to be a bit of history next week, because as we said in the one trailer, we actually do have a historian on this podcast. Yeah, it's true. I, I can't believe I'm letting you talk about the Roman Empire already. Well, we're going to talk about that a little bit, but it's not going to be all history. I've actually looked up a couple already, and hopefully in the time between now and when we record, I'll look up a couple more. Just some absolute bonkers birthday parties that actually have occurred and have been recorded and the things they did. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk about some history. We're going to talk about why I don't like birthdays, why DJ does like birthdays. Uh, And hopefully I won't be still hungover from my birthday. So that's next week. Uh, you know, drop us a review uh, wherever you listen. Drop us an email. Uh, let us know if you have any ideas for whiskeys to review, if you have any ideas for topics, if you just have any comments. Uh, if you also want to say that DJ is nuts and figs don't go on pizza, let us know. Facebook, Instagram, email. They're Get so a hold good. of us. <laughs> but until then, I think that's about it, buddy. So, uh, for the Wit and Whiskey cast, I am Marcus Setti. I'm DJ Gagnon. Salute. Cheers.